0: Okay, hi everyone, welcome to the Perma podcast, and it is the 200th episode of the show. Uh, yeah, it's nearly five years since I started this show, September 2015. And yeah, we're at the 200th episode. That is pretty amazing. And so, to commemorate this, <laughs> my friend Becky Castle Miller, who's been a guest on this show two or three times, is going to interview me. So, she's going to be hosting this episode. I'm going to be the guest (laughs) and it's going to be a bit of fun and I know that a lot of us are struggling, lonely, um, in difficult places right now because of everything that's happening and I want to acknowledge that at the start. Um, So we will talk about some serious stuff but we're also going to have a bit of fun because it's important to keep having joy even in the midst of difficult stuff. So I just want to acknowledge that situation that's happening because I don't want to just act like it it isn't happening because it is um and we're all being affected by it so um I see you all um and yeah I'm gonna hand over to Becky
1: well here I am taking the the interviewer's microphone getting to, to sort of have a takeover of the Puma podcast the interview James James is a wonderful interviewer himself, Um, as he said, he's had me on the show several times and I've always appreciated his questions and his welcome, so now I get to try to live up to his standards and interview him, so (laughs) James and I have been talking about this for for a while, um, for me to interview him on his 200th episode, Uh, right now I'm a seminary student in the United States, but I live in Europe. And uh, so James and I have gotten to meet up in the Netherlands. He's been to my home, which is lovely. Mm. Um, but I have a background, before I went into ministry, a background in journalism. So I've dusted off those old skills.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so I set up a little interview for James here. So we're all looking forward to getting to know James better and celebrating together his 200th episode. That is quite an accomplishment. Congratulations, James.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's very strange to have done 200 episodes already. I am. Um... Yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago I started, but uh, we've got to 200 episodes somehow. So, yeah, I know.
1: Persistence and hard work and just plugging ahead and, and you've done it. Mm. So the first question I want to ask you is to hear a little bit of the story of the podcast. We know your personal story because you, you're so good at being open and vulnerable and sharing your personal story, but I want to hear the story of the podcast. Tell us about why and how and when you decided to create the of
0: podcast. Well, it's a really interesting story because I, I'd wanted to do a podcast for quite a long time, um, and never knew how to do it. We didn't really have any technical know-how, and still don't really. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't really know what format I wanted to do it, in. I didn't just want to do a podcast for the sake of doing a podcast. I wanted to do a podcast with a purpose, um, for a reason, and. Um, one, of the, one of the bigger things that kind of helped me to focus on what I wanted to do was when Rob Bell started his podcast, um, The Robcast, and he started doing a few interviews with people and discussing things and it was quite informal and relaxed and authentic and authenticity is a really important value for me. So I thought, well, I could do something like this. I could discuss important stuff with other people and share it with people. And that would be different from my writing. It would be different from my blogs that I was doing at the time. I don't really do them as much now. Um, it, would be, and it would be interesting. And it would be fun. Because it wasn't really the thing. Like the thing at the time was my writing. Um, I was going through a bit of a writing trauma as well. Uh, I had a couple of writing traumas. Which really kind of stopped me writing for a long time. And that was around the time that was happening. So I think that was the other reason, although I didn't realise it at the time, was I needed another creative outlet on a regular basis. And um, podcasting was interesting, and I was curious about it. And yeah, and it started out being called James Talks. That's the the original name. Because I'm really rubbish at titles and names and things, so I I didn't really know what to call it. Um, And I changed the name about 18 months in, Because I wanted something different. I wanted something that wasn't just focused on me. Uh, And um, somebody suggested... A member of the Deconstructionists actually suggested the name to me. Um, And the name Poema, which is from scripture, which is where, and I've said this before, that uh, it's about us being God's workmanship. And it's it's about spirituality, it's about creativity, it's about identity. About all the things that I cover on this show, and so it was like, yeah, that's 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 what I want to call it. So, um, that's how we got that name. Um, about three and a half years ago, it got the name Poema. But yeah, that's kind of how it started. So I took my time. I I I, I set it all up. I um, got a microphone and just started doing it. And I you know I'm not I don't have any kind of technical editing skills. I just um, but that suits me really because I just like it being authentic and real and not too produced you know i'd like to have it a little bit produced but not like you know all the kind of really really slick that other people have so um i like it as it is and yeah that's how it started
1: so what is your most memorable interview you've had some pretty impressive guests you have quite a wide range of guests which i'm always very impressed with the the range of guests and topics that you've covered. But what is your most memorable interview that you've done for the show,
0: and why? Oh dear, it's so difficult that one. That is really difficult because there, there's so many good ones, and I've done so many that I probably forget. <laughs> um, the the ones that I really remember. Which one pops into your mind first when I say most memorable? Well, probably Rob Bell. I mean, that that's got to be a big highlight because. He was my biggest. He's been one of my biggest influences, biggest inspirations. One of the people I really wanted to talk to the most when I started the podcast. Never thought I would get him on the show ever. <laughs> uh, and then I get this email saying, "Like, oh, we, we can we can do this. Uh, let's do it this time. Can you do this?" And I was just like, it was surreal. Um, the whole thing was surreal. <laughs> um, and then did the uh, did the call with him. And, yeah, it was really great. It was really great. I had a really good time. I learnt a lot. Um, I saw him afterwards um, a few months later when he came to England and he recognised me and it was said hello and it was really great. Um, so just to kind of do that with him was was, was great. Um, that's definitely one that stands out. That's the first one that probably stands out. But there's a lot of other ones which have just been really meaningful to me and there's 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 so many um my ones with you (laughs) i'm not just saying this because you're here the one i did with you when i came to maastricht last year when you talked about jesus humanity and talked about jesus um going through grief and being a social outcast and going through trauma and all that that completely changed my relationship with jesus that literally did it transformed everything um had a really big impact on me, and um, so that was another. That's another big one. That, in terms of impact on my my own personal journey, that one was was one that really stands stands out. You know, but I've, I'm I'm really grateful that I've had so many great people on. You know, um, Sarah Bessie was another one. Like, my, I, did, I interviewed her recently for the third time, and uh, that was that was a pretty standout one too. But. You know, and, and science, Mike, and the Gungas and Glennon Doyle. Um, so many people. Like, and it's not just those the big games though. It's, there's other people who aren't as well known, but still have powerful stories. And that's what I've really tried to do with the show. Is like not just not just get all the kind of well known people that everybody knows, but find people who've got interesting stories to share and try and be representative as well try and have as many women on as possible and people of colour and um, you know, Latinx people and you know, try to be truly representative and LGBTQ voices and things like that actually that's another one, Vicky Beaching, that was another big, really powerful one um, yeah, I loved that one <laughs> so, yeah it's a difficult question that. but I think, yeah Rob Bell was a big, was a big hit <laughs>
1: I think that's actually how you and I connected on Twitter, I think, was when you put out a call to have more women on your podcast. I think that's yeah, actually when right. you first connected. And I, I always respect when men with a platform are intentional about sharing that platform with women, um, with people of color. So I think that's uh, – and your diversity of guests has certainly reflected that. Hmm. So most of your, uh, most of your episodes have been interviews. Uh, but what was you've done a few where it was you sharing yourself? Mm. Um, what's your favorite episode you've done where you didn't have a guest and we're just talking to
0: yourself? Actually, it's the one I did last week, um, which is I want and the first one and the one I did last week <laughs> because the okay. first one was "You Are Not Alone," right? And that that kind of sums up everything about my podcast in many ways and about me and what I'm trying to do is like. Tell people that they're not alone. That they, you know, that they're heard. That they're seen. That their stories matter, um, and whatever they're going through, that there is solidarity and that they have support. So that was a really important one, and I still have a lot of good memories of that one. And it was the first time I'd ever done, <laughs> I'd ever recorded anything. So obviously you don't forget, forget that. But the the one I did last week was meaningful because it felt like, with everything that's going on right now. A lot of people are going through grief and loneliness. A lot of people are going through the journey that I have been on the last four or five years. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm I'm okay with uncertainty and, I'm, and I've done all this work already. So it's not as difficult for me to cope with as other people. But So being able to pass on what I'd learned to people who are going through that was a real privilege. Um, and I'm going to be doing a few more of those episodes because people have started requesting them. So... Um, and I've got a few things that I'd I'd like to share so there will be a few more of those but it's still going to be a lot of guests I've got a lot of things a lot of guests recorded a lot of guests that I interviewed before um, you know the pandemic Um, but funnily enough a lot of those interviews seem very timely (laughs) for what's happened Um, I've been doing a series on grief that's been incredible Um, and um, that's been one of the best things I've done I think so yeah, uh, I, think, I think those two stand out. Yeah, last, the one on one last week and the first one.
1: Okay, so now it's time for the first lightning round. <laughs> We've done some longer answers, but this is like short one sentence, one word, think fast. We're going to fire the questions okay. quickly. Okay, the theme of the first lightning round is England.
0: England, right, okay. All
1: right. Favorite city in the UK? London. Favorite famous tourist destination?
0: Uh, San Diego, definitely. <laughs> uh,
1: it's
0: got to be in the, in England. Oh, or... in Eng- Oh, I see. Sorry, oh, I see. Sorry. Um. Okay, I didn't get that. Favorite. O- oh, Oxford. Oxford. Okay.
1: Favorite British sport.
0: Oh gosh, that's difficult. It's a toss-up between football and cricket, as in soccer. By the way, American listeners, but we call it football. Um. Yeah, it's a. Oh, it's very tight. I mean, cricket is a more English sport, so... But either of those two, yeah. (laughs) Favourite English food? Oh dear, I think a Sunday roast. Or fish and chips. Favourite
1: type of tea?
0: Breakfast tea. Like, I just call it tea. Normal tea. (laughs) There's no other kind of tea. (laughs) All these kind of different fruit teas and all that. I I just like normal breakfast tea. Yeah
1: that
0: it give a particular brand that it needs to be? Not really. I mean, I like I like tea generally. I mean, like PG Tips or um Yorkshire. There's a brand called Yorkshire Yorkshire tea or something like that. But yeah, a good cup of tea, normal and how tea. Do you take it milk, <laughs> milk, two sugars. Okay. So pay attention, everyone. If I ever come around your house. <laughs> We hate about life in the UK? Uh <laughs> some of the weather and people complaining about the weather. <laughs> so like in in England it's like, okay, if it's if it's if it's like thirty degrees, it's really hot outside. Everyone's like, oh it's too hot. And then when it rains, it's like, oh it's so wet and so cold and like I wish it was sunny. And it's like you know, make your mind up kind of thing. <laughs> um uh yeah that that annoys me um and this kind of and also actually one of my pet peeves is this this like typical like stiff upper lip thing where we're not going to listen to the experts we're just going to do what we want kind of thing because we're british and we always you know and that kind of worked in the second world war but it doesn't work now (laughs) You know. <laughs> um, hey, to be
1: honest, though, I have to say I'm surprised that you didn't say Boris
0: Johnson. Well, I didn't want to get political. I was gonna. <laughs> I wasn't. I was gonna say Bre- I was gonna say brexiteers and Boris Johnson, but I didn't want to get political. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, favorite British slang term or
0: word. Oh my gosh! Um, you see, I don't know what what slang. What's like just? Mm, I don't know. Mm, that's a difficult one. Favorite slang word. I don't know I, I, I don't That's a good point Like how do you Yeah
1: sometimes it's hard To identify slang In our own culture Alright what's your favourite American slang
0: <laughs> um, American slang I don't Again I'm a bit stuck Like I just I'm always It, makes me, it just always makes me laugh That Americans call Trousers pants <laughs> That always just makes me laugh Because pants For British people Is underwear Male underwear, <laughs> um, like whether it's boxer shorts or whatever, we still call them pants for some reason. Actually, pants is almost a uh, British jargon thingy as well. So if, if something's really rubbish, we just say, could we could sometimes call it pants. <laughs> like, even I still use that. And it was like that came, that started in the 90s. And some of us still use it, and um, Americans wouldn't get that. (laughs) So that's really pants, and they're like, "What (laughs) trousers?" That's something I have tried to remember
1: when I'm speaking with uh, with British people to say trousers, because that can cause some awkward.
0: Yeah, or jeans. You know, we call say we say jeans, like yeah, we don't. (laughs) Not everything's trousers, but yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) So where would you live if you could live anywhere else in the UK than where you are now?
0: Anywhere else in the UK probably oxford i think or brighton oxford or brighton oxford because i i went there and i love all the history and the architecture and c.s lewis and there's the pub that he used to drink in with tolkien and stuff and just go there and it's like this especially as a writer um and even as a christian it's like it's just got this presence and history about it and yeah so um I love that I love Oxford and, and Brighton because it's near the sea and I love the sea so um, and it's still quite close to London so
1: mm-hmm. okay now back to the serious
0: questions okay
1: you get to take longer to answer these okay <laughs> this so, is great so if you were to describe yourself at the point in your life where you feel like you were the most unhealthy or maybe the least healthy what is what was the least healthy version of James like what was going on for you then
0: well, I think, and there's a lot of answers to this question, but certainly when, like, I think I was in a really low point about 15 years ago. I was really overweight. I didn't really take care of myself um, really bad, you know. I um, almost didn't care about myself at the time. Um, I wasn't depressed or suicidal or anything like that but I was just apathetic to myself and I hadn't been taught life skills I hadn't been taught how to take care of myself or to cook or to or anything like that as a child because of my trauma and thing, what happened at home I didn't learn those things like everyone else learns them and I, I think in hindsight now I was inside, I didn't think I, I was my life was worth anything and I kind of deserve to die, <laughs> um, so I was just eating junk all the time and um, eating loads of sugar and not and uh, not really taking care of myself at all. And um, so that's when I that was a really low point. Um, but ironically, I think I think a low point can sometimes be hidden, like. I was in when I had my experience a few years ago which I talked about where all the stuff started to come out of me and I was always pinned to the sofa and it was like a what I talked about with you when we when we had a discussion before like on this podcast that I was on the surface my life seemed really healthy so I had a I had a home I had a job I was relatively physically healthy I was taking care of myself um, I was in a stable church and home group and everything and it, so everything looked okay but underneath the surface it wasn't, and I knew it wasn't, I knew there was something wrong. And if I had not dealt with it, it would have got worse. So um, you could say that was, a, that, was, that was a low point that was hidden, <laughs> I think. Um, and, and then a couple of years later when I, got, I almost lost everything and I didn't have a job and I didn't have, um, didn't have any money left and I was going to lose everything. And I got suicide ideation. That was obviously a low point as well. So that's probably the rawest point, I guess. But it was also the end of something and the beginning of something else, I think. So um, if I hadn't got to that point, I wouldn't have been as free as I am now. So sometimes you've got to go to those places to get free. <laughs> I think Glenn and, Glenn and Melton talks about this. Glenn Doyle, she talks about this a lot that you have to go to rock bottom sometimes to to get free and that was probably the rock bottom because that was really kind of actually getting getting to the truth of what had always been there that that low point had always been inside of me I just covered it up well for a long time Mm -hmm. and so I think that was the lowest the lowest point yeah
1: now describe yourself at your healthiest
0: at my healthiest I think last year between January and April May at least that was that was when i just got free of everything like I'd sold my flat I paid off on my debts um, I was like having opportunities to go travel and had a few bit of, had some resources to go travel and um, I came to see you in um, in the Netherlands, and went to Comic Con with you, which was my birthday, which was just the best birthday I've ever had. And then went to San Diego, and kind of fell in love with that place. And felt myself and my sister was like saying to me, uh, "You look alive. You look like you're glowing. I've never seen you like this before." You know, and I really felt I felt like, "Oh, this is where I need to be." You know, I haven't quite been able to make that happen yet, but that's still in my mind, and. I think... Back then I, I literally was just in that space of just... Ever, I'm finally free. All this stuff is now gone. It was... We've, I've talked about regeneration with you before. It was like I was just in a new body. And starting to... And starting, and just feeling really alive with tons of energy. Um, and it was kind of a mountaintop experience in, my, in many ways. Like it binds... I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> um, but what I've learned I think like is that is that it's an ongoing process I think there was some part of me that was thinking that that I'd done all the work (laughs) and that now I could just actually go and do this all this stuff I really wanted to do and it would just all open up for me Uh, I still had that idea of the happy ever after in my head which I realized is not actually true that it's just ongoing work of growth and, and you know development and regeneration which i I just just is a metaphor that i just love uh and and kind of since since that point i'm still i'm still healthy but i've gone into i've gone down into kind of the wilderness again because what i've realized is as you grow as you get to different levels of growth different you reach different stages of consciousness so you go back to old wounds but from a different perspective so you see different things you can go deeper so I've gone deeper into wounds that I, that I had before and realized oh I've got an attachment issue I've got a trust issue I've got a you know I've got all these still these things are still in there that I need to work on but I can work from work on them for a place of health because I know how to go in and out of the pain without it having controlling me because I've done all that work of the last three or four years leading up to that, um, which have allowed me to be able to process pain in a healthy way. So it's not about so realize it's not about just oh dealing with it all and then just leaving it behind. It's like there's always going to be work to do. It's just getting healthy so that you can manage all of that and still live a healthy, productive, fulfilling life. And mm-hmm. um, that's what being healthy is. So I'm still healthy i still but I still have moments where I'm anxious, where I get down, where i get where I get triggered, where I encounter wounds, but I work through that with people, and I have have structures in my life to help me with that I have communities in my life, people in my life that help me through that, and so I can get get through them really in a much better way, and I don't have that burden of debt anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and you know but there's always I mean like that's the thing when you accept that there's no happy ever after it's quite liberating. it means you can just in be fully present in your life and enjoy the recognize the the high moments the mountaintop moments and be be present in them and enjoy them and knowing that they're not that they're just the mountaintop moments that life is not going to be like that all the time because it's not um and that they will probably come again you know, but a life is spent mostly in the valley, and that's okay because it's the, the valley is not empty. Most people are in the valley. There's solidarity and safety in the valley. So and I think a lot of people are discovering that now.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was the process that you went through to go from your, your really rock bottom point to this place where you feel healthy now? What was the journey and process of hitting that regeneration cycle? What was that like for you?
0: Wow. You're asking me to tell you, tell you the story of my book, aren't you? <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> this is the book I'm writing. How, but... did
1: you, how did you grow? How did you grow from unhealthy to healthy? Because I think that's something we all want to do
0: more of. Well, what I did, um, and this goes back to be, before before even that low point of the suicidal ideation, it was that moment when I was sitting on the sofa and this stuff started to come out of me, this energy started to come out of me, and all, these, all, this, all this emotion, all this bitterness, all this anger, all this frustration, all this stuff that had been bottled up, just couldn't be bottled up anymore and i got a picture from somebody in, in my home group at the time over me and jesus at the top of this valley and the valley was very dark couldn't see down there but i knew i had to go there and i sensed like jesus was telling me do you, are you ready to go there and like and i was like yeah i have to go there I don't, it was almost like i didn't have a choice in one sense i did have a choice but if i wanted to grow i didn't have a choice and so that was, the, that was the beginning of that. And I, then I went and I got a spiritual director who was who's also a qualified therapist who I'm still working with four or five years later. And I, I hired a mindset coach who helped me kind of work out all this stuff psychologically and mentally um, and get out of bad mindsets and bad stories I was telling myself. So... That was another thing I did, um, and a life coach as well, who was just incredible, um, really helped me get in touch with my inner child and build a relationship with him, and start talking to him, and kind of soothe, learn to self-soothe, learning to listen to my the voices inside, and to recognise them, acknowledge them communicate with them um and that was really helpful as well in processing all of that and doing a lot of forgiveness around around my parents and and god as well um working with these people was really helpful and finding a new spiritual community where i could just breathe and just be me and it'd be okay so it was a combination of things that i that i actively chose to do and had a positive impact and it was a process it took time it took time and um it takes the yeah it's work (laughs) it's it's not a kind of it's not the kind of pray for you and then you get healed instantly um that that's not real healing healing takes time um and it was a gradual change. I didn't notice it instantaneously, but other people noticed it. Like I went to a thing in Ireland last year, and the guy, the guy who was leading it, had seen me a few years before, and without me, without any prompting from me, he came up to me and said, "Like James, you look lighter." And then, not physically lighter, but just there was a, there was no I wasn't carrying around the weight anymore. You know, that was really encouraging because. He didn't know much of my story. <laughs> he just knew that I looked lighter and that I wasn't carrying so much stuff around anymore. And that was really encouraging. So it's a process, you know, and I'm still working with my spiritual director. That's the biggest thing, I think, because I was able to talk about things and have them reflected back at me in a way that is somewhat a lot, a lot like therapy, but it was also had a spiritual context. So I was able to be honest about how I'm feeling about God and Jesus and work that out. And it was like having a spiritual therapy, really. It was like almost having a therapy session with God there. Wow. Being able to kind of just get all this stuff out and just say what I felt to him. Mm -hmm. And just have it reflected back and just work it out. And it shifted my, shifted everything. And it shifted the way I believed as well. I was actually able to move to kind of a more uh, non-dualistic way of seeing the world. Um, way of believing, um, and it was kind of move, and and also reading, um, reading, especially, um, Falling Upward by Richard Raw. That that was a huge book for me because it was about transitioning from first half of life to second half of life, work, and I felt like that's what I was doing. That, that that's what this has been. This is, this has been about moving to this kind of second half of life. Um, the kind of maturity and uh, developing character and letting go of the kind of dualistic ego stuff um, that we carry around with us when we're younger. Um, and that was a big influence. And journaling, honestly, that was a big thing. Like Especially the, last, the first six months of last year, I journaled almost every day. And that was really, really helpful and healing and transformative. And it got a lot of things out. And helped me connect with myself and get to know myself. Um, And I was doing more yoga as well, and meditation. I had a transcendent spiritual experience last year with my mother, which was very, very real. And it was the most intense spiritual experience I've ever had. And I didn't realise it until I got home and started journaling about it. Because I was still almost in it, even when I was getting up to go home. I was almost, like, in this bubble, like, almost everything was just happening around me. I remember, like, it was really surreal, and I didn't even notice it, almost, because I was so in it. (laughs) Um, It was, it was, yeah, and I've I've talked to her about it before on this show, and it was just, it was just incredible. Uh, And it was, like, me and my mother having this laugh and the joke, because I was singing this chant in French, and I'm getting the words wrong, and she was a French teacher. And, uh, it was incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had a good cry about it at the end, um, the end of the evening. It was um, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was so. So yeah, that's kind of that process, and I'm still in process. You know, I mean, I'm still, but the the, the root of it has been kind of dealt with. You know, the, the kind of, but not just the actual wound itself, but also my ability to process pain. Mm-hmm my ability to process trauma, my ability to process all this stuff without it having any control over me and any power over me. Um, that's the, that was the real work because that means that whenever, whatever happens in the future I can be prepared for it. I'm able to work it through and I know how to work it through and I know that it will not, it doesn't have the power to control me and that's that's, that's what real freedom is. It's not being free of pain because we're always going to have pain, we're always going to have wounds you know, i we're going to get new ones. But it's how we learn to process that, that is, that's real freedom. Right,
1: absolutely. And you've put a lot of effort and time and energy and money into your growth process too. So I think mm. one thing people can take from that is growing is hard and it's hard work and you have to reinvest in it. But it's worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's totally worth it. I'm going to recommend it to everybody.
1: What would be your number one piece of advice to someone who's listening and says, well, I'm realizing I'm actually at the unhealthy place. I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not, not in a healthy place. What's the first piece of advice you give them?
0: Oh, wow. To move toward growth and health. Because, I mean, it depends on their context and their story. But the first thing to do... Is I think you need to acknowledge it. You need to acknowledge that okay, I'm in a unhealthy place and I need to grow. Um, you need to say it, name it. Um, you need to uh, recognise it. Maybe start journaling about it. Um, and and also acknowledge that it's okay to be in that place. That it's okay to not be perfect. To not have it all together yet but also to name the fact that you do need to do something to recognize I mean that's like the first in the 12 steps that's the first the first step is to just say you know I'm James and I'm whatever you know whether you're (laughs) whatever addiction you have it's um it's acknowledging the problem and recognizing it and saying okay I need to do something about this um, and being honest with yourself about it, and still loving yourself in that place because you're still valuable, you're still lovable, you're still worthwhile. And that's why you need to do the work because you're worth something. So I think that's the first step for any, for somebody, and then you can make decisions based on that. You know, and one of the first things to do as well, one of the first practices you can start is journaling because it's it costs nothing, and nobody ever has to see it, and. There's evidence I've said before many times that if you journal your emotions on a regular basis, that helps your physical health, it helps your mental health, it helps your emotional health, um, and that's part of the process of healing. That's part of my part of my process. So that's what I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the the whole concept of regeneration that you've woven in and out here leads us into our next lightning round. <laughs>
0: Which is the Doctor um, Who lightning round. I knew this was coming. I knew it. <laughs> I was looking forward to this. <laughs> All
1: right. Okay, you ready? hmm Okay, favorite doctor?
0: Ten. David favorite Tennant.
1: Villain. Sorry? Uh, David Tennant, yeah, ten. So favorite villain?
0: Oh. I think the master or the weeping angels. Yeah.
1: Master or Missy?
0: Yeah, Master slash Missy, weeping and weeping angels. Yeah. Okay, but if you had to choose
1: between the Master and Missy, oh,
0: like to... oh, the ma- I think the Master because just because of who he is, as she is, and what he re- what he represents, and the, the kind of relationship that, he, that that he has with the Doctor, right like, it's just it's really interesting dynamic. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always... Okay. Um,
1: favorite episode.
0: <sighs> one episode. I've got two. I've had joint number one, but. Okay, Okay. probably The Girl in the Fireplace Mm -hmm. Um, and Blink I think Mm -hmm. are my two favourite episodes Um, but there's loads of good episodes (laughs) Um, yeah but those two yeah I absolutely adore those two episodes okay least favourite episode oh that's easy that's um, the one um, the the Matt Smith Regeneration episode I've forgotten what it's called the name of the name of the I doctor. I, I just just dislike that with that. I just like I, I got so bored watching it. I was like I was just like just you're kind of dragging this out for so long and everyone knows what's gonna happen. It's like you know, it's almost like Stephen Moffat had kind of blown all this creative energy on the day of the doctor and then after that he had to write this regeneration episode. And it was a Christmas episode, so it had to be an hour long. And it was just not that good. And I just, I, I didn't switch off, but I've never watched, I've only watched it once. And I've not, not watched it again. So that's, that's the, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not my, it's just my least favorite. To
1: each their own. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> okay. Your favorite planet, the doctor visit. My favorite planet. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's a really challenging one. Um, I mean, you can
1: cheat and say Earth, but...
0: Oh, no, I'm not going to say Earth, because that's... No, 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 I'm not going to say Earth. Like... Um, oh, dear. Hmm. Goodness me. Oh, my goodness me. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I tell you what, I love that... Um, the episode uh, where where he meets his daughter, mm-hmm. that planet, because mm-hmm. it's all like underground and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. and it's uh, and it's and it's yeah. So that's for that's a really interesting interesting planet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Favorite thing
1: the Doctor eats?
0: Oh, <laughs> um, oh, it's got to be a biscuit of some kind. Um, Jamie Dodgers. Jamie Dodgers, possibly. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what tenant ate. I just can't remember. Um. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yes. That's right. Yes, Satsumas. Um. Yes, because he throws the satsuma, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Jamie Dodgers. I think. Okay. Yeah. Favorite
1: companion.
0: Oh my God. That's. Oh, man, that's so difficult. I love Donna. I absolutely love Donna. Um, yeah, Donna, probably. Um, just her story as well is, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I like Clara. I love Clara, but but Donna just about... Just, just trumps it, yeah. I love Donna. She
1: is so much fun. Okay, mm. your favourite TARDIS control room. Oh. Because it's not just
0: the Doctor who regenerates the whole thing. No, the whole thing, yeah. I hmm I I must admit I liked I liked um, I liked Matt Smith's last one and I liked Capaldi's one I mean I like all of them you know and I really love actually I really love um, um, Jodie Whittaker's it's very reminiscent of David Tennant, actually. <laughs> There's so much of her that of her doctor that sets echoes of him. So I'd say it's Capaldi's or, or Jodie Whittaker's, I think, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All
1: right. Back to the serious questions. Okay. <laughs> so you've had significant religious trauma, church trauma, and, and bad experiences in mm-hmm. churches with Christianity, and wrestled with your relationship with God. Why is it that you are a
0: Christian? Like, how is it that you still have faith? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. I think I'm going to embarrass you here a little bit. But one of the reasons I have faith is really Jesus. Um, Jesus' humanity. Jesus' story. You know, Jesus experienced grief. Jesus was a social outcast as a child. Um, even as an adult, um, he, went, he underwent significant emotional trauma, physical trauma as well. Um, he was betrayed, um, by, abandoned by his friends. Um, and a lot of that, and all of that resonates with my story. I mean, I, and it was you that taught me that, uh, but... And that, to me, that's that's what makes him most divine, is that. Not, you know, I'm not... The healings and all of the miracles and stuff, they're not... It's not that they don't impress me, it's just that... I guess they're not... It, it doesn't feel quite as real. And Jesus kind of going through all the things that he went through and still not... Um, and just going through with it and... How he how he how he went through it, and the love that he showed in experiencing those things, the grace that he had for people, um, the way he forgave people who killed him. Um, you know that's divine to me, um, and so that especially gives me faith and gives me hope. And I know that there is a. I know. I don't know what he she looks like, but I know that there is a divine consciousness out there. I know that there is more than than we see, and I know I'm I'm very aware of that and very conscious of that. Um, my relationship with God is difficult because he's always felt distant, and because of my trauma, but I still have a relationship with him. And we just wrestle. We just work it out. We just talk about things honestly. Like grown-ups, I guess. It's not like I'm all bowing in deference and, you know, and just like, oh, you're so great kind of thing. It's more like, yeah, I know you're pretty great. I know you're real. I know you're all about what you're all about. But I have questions for you. And, I, and I'm not just going to be satisfied with just... You telling me the answers? I need to wrestle this out, like, like the Psalms, you know, like David does in the Psalms, um, and I guess I, I know that there's something more than this. Uh, I just know intuitively, almost. It's, it's I, I can't deny that. I couldn't be an atheist. Um, yeah, so that's how I. That's where my faith is. It's it's quite fluid it's quite it's quite boundaryless now in many ways um my my concept of god is wider and bigger and deeper um but it still jesus kind of brings me back to that to the mm-hmm. bible and to 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 kind of what's called christian um although i don't probably put myself in that box but certainly i mean i follow jesus and i you know i believe jesus was divine and i and I'm a kind of follower of the way if, that, if you want to put it that way um, I would call myself that and I don't think that would ever change
1: um,
0: but it's not in the same way that it was obviously <laughs> um, and I'm yeah I I, um, I have a lot of issues and with with fundamentalist Christianity whether it's progressive fundamentalism or um, conservative fundamentalism um you know the kind of dualistic in out um, thing which you know control you know rules whatever uh that i can't deal with that that's, i can't i can't uh, be part of something like that um uh, my 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 idea of spiritual community is wider and bigger than that yeah. so yeah um i guess that's that's why (laughs) Um, i'm
1: right there with you yeah with in the face of my own religious trauma and uh, mistreatment by christians is the story and the person of jesus um that is the reason that i'm still a christian so Mm. yeah right there with you if you if you were to talk to someone who is struggling with the christian faith what would you want to tell them
0: I would want to tell them that you can follow Jesus and believe in what he stood for without having to belong to an institution or an organised religion. Um, that's not to say you don't have a religion because we you know we have a religion, but it doesn't have to be the organised, structured religion that that is sold to you it doesn't have to be the institution that you grew up in or that claims to represent jesus you can still follow him and you can still have him in your life and not have all of that um if you're and and make sure you know what your whether your problem is with jesus himself or whether it's with the institution and the stuff that's around him because my problem wasn't wasn't really with jesus it was the institution it was it was the kind of establishment it was the yeah the kind of system around him i mean i had issues with god yes i did and uh, i do sometimes still but um but i was never um but the the, the bigger the, the bigger problem was 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 the whole thing around it and because that informed so much of who i thought god was <laughs> i'm I let go of really that important,
1: really important distinction. Um, between the the person of Jesus and sort of the religious institution and the power
0: brokers. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And you know that as well from your experience. So.
1: So if you were to talk with someone who, so, so they're a very solid Christian, they're full of confidence and they have no doubts. What would you want to say to them?
0: They have no doubts. Wow. Well, I. <laughs> I'm, I would be like. I would. I not wouldn't, I wouldn't believe somebody who told me they had no doubts. Mm. I would say, like, you don't. You're lying. You're lying to yourself because you do have doubts. You're just not. You're just afraid to talk about them, and or maybe people are f- making you afraid to talk about them um, because you think it's wrong. Mm. Um, because if I think everyone has doubts, If you if you're human, you then you're gonna have you're gonna have a moment of doubt. Where if you believe something that's so fundamentally certainty, then you're, that's dangerous. It's dangerous to other people because, um, because it can be exclusive to other people. It can hurt other people. It, it doesn't leave room for growth. If everything is certain, then you're not going to grow. You're going to stay where you are for the rest of your life. And that's not healthy. <laughs> that's not healthy at all. Um, and don't I think it takes a lot of courage. I think it's important to acknowledge that it takes a lot of courage to confront your doubts and to confront um, your own wounds and your pain. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so you need to do it in community with people that love you and people who are willing to listen to those. And there are communities around that do that. There mm-hmm. well, are especially online now. Given what's happening now, that there's mm-hmm. more spaces online for you to do that, um, and just be honest and let it out. And um, that's what I would say. <laughs> so go home, sit down, write down, be honest with yourself. Write down what you're re what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Journal it, get it out, and then find a space where you can go and express that.
1: Mhm. Like that. Okay, so we have one more lightning round left and one more round of series questions. Awesome. Well, a little bit more playful, the last set. Okay, so the last lightning round is about food. Oh right. <laughs> the food lightning round. Okay, ready? I am. Your favorite local takeaway?
0: It's oh, there's this Chinese place that's near where I live. Um, I forgot, I, I can't even remember what it's called. <laughs> that's really bad isn't it (laughs) But it's just like on my walk home so I don't even look at it Um, yeah that's my favourite Chinese
1: your favourite
0: American fast food American oh oh, I don't know if it counts as American but um, burritos tacos yeah I love them absolutely fell in love with them last year I hadn't had them before last year when I went to San Diego and I just like oh my gosh how did I miss out on this it's so good (laughs) The best sit-down meal you've ever had? The best sit-down meal I've ever had. Oh, my word. You're really good at these questions. Um, Or maybe I just like food. I think it was... I know, it was... I went to this curry place, this really nice curry place um, in the kind of big town near me, and... Uh, i think it's called everest i think it's called and it's oh, it's just this it's so good it was it was quite expensive but you got what you paid for it was just yeah absolutely delicious um and they've, they, I've, I've been there a few times and it's just uh all the food there is really really great and it's yeah i've been there for my birthday i think as well so yeah okay the best steak you've ever eaten the best steak Oh, wow. I don't have steak too often now. But I think it was... It was probably at a... Where was it? What would be the best steak I've ever had? I wouldn't, oh, crikey, I can't remember. Would, I mean, like, it probably be at a harvester or a beef eater or some, some local steakhouse, I think. Like, you know, rump steak, medium rare... Kind of pink in the middle, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your favourite candy? Oh, does this include chocolate? Sure. Um, Well, I haven't had chocolate, actually, properly for about 18 months now, but... I used to love... um... Oh, this is such a difficult question. (laughs) Such a difficult... I love, like, wine gums, like... The kind of um, Haribo wine gum, wine gums, they're really nice. They're really, I could eat loads of them. Um, and I like Bakewell tarts, I know they're not candy, but yeah. Or pan okay. chocolat as well. Mm, yeah. Favourite thing you like to cook
1: for
0: yourself? Oh, that's spaghetti, spaghetti bolognese, definitely. Yeah. What? Spaghetti bolognese.
1: Oh, spaghetti bolognese, okay.
0: Yeah, nice. I love making that, I'm good at making that. Okay. Yeah, I love to have that. Okay,
1: the worst food in the entire world is?
0: um Liver. <laughs>
1: okay. Just any type, of liver across the board bad?
0: Liver is bad. It's, you know, if, if, it's, you were, if
1: you were newly regenerated Matt Smith and oh. you were tasting things, liver would go out the door.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All Marmite as well. will go out the door. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not really a, I'm a fish, to be perfectly honest, but I like fish fingers. I do. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> you could you could settle on fish fingers and custard with him, but liver liver and Marmite are out.
0: Yep, absolutely. Liver and Marmite okay. never.
1: Okay, your favorite food-related movie or scene in a movie.
0: <laughs> in a movie, oh, okay. Um, it could be like
1: a movie, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or it can be like a movie related, like a, a food related scene in a movie.
0: Oh wow, gosh, this is a great question. Well, on TV, I know, what I know, I know what my, I know it's it will be the best trusted thing, but in a movie, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, um, well, there's this scene, there's this, oh, there's this really great scene where. Um oh I know. No, it's in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Pulp Fiction and uh where Samuel L. Jackson's round the guy's house and he eats his burger and drinks his drink. That's it. That
1: and is he talks a about
0: a piece of dialogue, absolutely. Yeah, it is, it's superb. That is a tasty burger. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: fantastic. Good choice there. Okay, last set of questions. Um, one of my favorite creating writing exercises I did when I was a kid in a creative writing course was we had to write a description of our dream room, like personal space, master bedroom kind of space. And mm-hmm. I had so much fun writing that. So I love to ask people that question. So picture your dream house, your dream master bedroom, personal room. What does it look like? Describe it for us.
0: Well, I reckon it's got wooden paneling. Um, it's quite minimalist, like white you know it would have a few bits of art on the wall maybe a banksy mm. um like if it's really big would i have an office in this house so would i need office stuff in this room or would i if
1: this could be your dream house you can have an office somewhere
0: else if you want okay so i've got an office in. okay i've got an office so i don't think about an office and i've got a cinema in my dream house as well so i don't need to talk about that but it'll probably have a big tv somewhere but it would be covered up so you couldn't see it unless I opened it up, you know. So it doesn't take off from the um, take off from the design of the room. I have a few bookshelves, a massive bed. Um, oh, um, candles like lavender-scented candles. Just um, sticks. Um, it would... Have a big, like a big window, it would like going looking out over the sea, so I could hear the sound of the sea, you know, because I love the sea. Um, crikey. Um, and it would have a like a really nice big sofa, um, and also kind of a it would have a um, ensuite bathroom with a walk in shower, um, one of those really fancy ones. I can't really have baths because I'm epileptic, so showers have to do for me. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and it will be very warm. Mm.
1: Nice. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Does this have a pet in it? Do you want pets? Tell, tell us about your ideal pet. A pet? Well, I don't really do pets, but it would have to be a, like a low-maintenance one. <laughs> so probably a cat um i like cats anyway we've got cats where i live um so like a cat that's low maintenance it just doesn't need that they'll come and sit on my lap and if i want company um but just otherwise we will just eat and sleep and walk around the house maybe go out in the garden um yeah that would be that would be my my kind of pet <laughs> what do
1: you like most about yourself
0: what do I like the most about myself? I like that I'm high. That I'm highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. It can be a real pain sometimes because you can take on other people's stuff and take everyone's stuff on and internalise a lot of things, and that can be difficult. But being sensitive is really is like a superpower. Cool. Somebody told me that once. So sensitivity is a superpower, um, and. It helps me be more compassionate. It helps me be more understanding. Um, it helps me be a better listener um, and a better person. Mm-hmm. And so I like that about myself, and I like that I'm generally a gentle um, person as well. That that people feel safe around, um, mm-hmm. and that's 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 nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, All right. Tell me yeah.
1: five more things you like about yourself. What do you like about James Prescott? I'll count them off on my fingers. Yeah, what I like about
0: James... um, I'm not very good at complimenting myself. I don't want to sound arrogant or anything here. That's why I'm making you do it. But um, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I love my creativity. I think I love that um, about myself. Um, that I'm an encourager. Um, Um, Intelligence, I guess. I think I like that. I'm quite an intelligent person, I like to think. So, well informed. Um, I love that I'm a good uncle. (laughs) That's one of my favourite things about myself. I love being an uncle. It's the best thing. (laughs) And that I'm... I don't know whether it's something about me or whatever, or whether it's these other people, but that I'm able to make such good friends and have such good friends.
1: There you go. That wasn't so hard, was it? <laughs> yeah. It's those great things about
0: you. Yeah. I don't have to think about think about that. Um, but I'm, that was really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> All
1: right, last
0: question. Oh, here we go.
1: Imagine, imagine your life 10 years from now. All your
0: dreams and hopes have come true. What does your life look like? Wow. I'm going to have to keep this episode and play it back in 10 years time and see what's happened.
1: Yeah, it'll be like a time capsule.
0: <laughs> yes, it will. Um, so, um, if all my dreams have come true, then I will be still healthy, still working on myself, still growing. I will be looking back at myself now and thinking like how could I have been where I was then I've grown so much you know because I want to keep growing um, my, I would hope that I would be married by then that I would have written a few more books maybe be able to make a living out of writing and speaking that would be nice that would be, that'd be, that'd be an amazing thing to have done to still be doing this podcast, which means I'll have done another—I don't know—another um, two, two, two four uh, hundred episodes. Yeah, four, yes, yeah, so I'll be so I'll be doing six hundredth episode. Wow. <laughs> um, probably with you again. <laughs> <Okay>. I'll put, <laughs> um,
1: I'll the, put it in my agenda for ten years from now. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll still be friends in ten years. I hope closer friends than ever. Um possibly possibly living in America, maybe San Diego, maybe Atlanta maybe Boston <laughs> um, yeah, and doing just doing and whether that's my full- time work or not that I'm still doing the creative work still writing still still making podcasts still um, encouraging and supporting other people um and I feel like a responsibility now uh, with all the things that are happening I sense that people are going starting to go through the process that I went through that I put myself through um, and that my story is going to be really important and I don't feel that's arrogant at all I just I feel a sense of responsibility that I want to use my story to help other people and to help um, get them out of you know, what's happening now? Because it will be over one day, <laughs> um, and um, things will change as a result. But it, it will be over. We will be able to go back to life—not life as we as it was before—but we will You know, we'll be able to go back to our routines and in in, in, in to a certain a certain degree. So, um, I want to use my story to help other people do that. I want to use my my platforms. I want to use my my gifts to my. Yeah, everything to, to help other people on their journey I want to be able to build new friendships I want to be continue being a good uncle um, and be an example for, for my niece and nephew because the world they grow up in is going to be very different um, so yeah that's what I'd like to be doing you know writing speaking, podcasting married, maybe living in San Diego or somewhere in America um seeing all my American friends. I seem to have so many American friends. Um,
1: and your lovely wood paneled room.
0: Yeah. Living in Thank living you. in a beach house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> living in a beach house in San Diego, yeah. That'd be great. That be <laughs> and well, then you can come been visit a wonderful
1: guest on the Poma podcast. Thanks so much for coming on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly no, what no. I say. That's exactly what I say. <laughs>
1: Now, I'll take off the
0: podcasting hat and hand it back to you. And congratulations you. again on your 200th episode. Oh, thank you, Becky. That was, oh, I love that. That was so much fun. Such good questions. They're really good at asking questions. Like, I can tell you've done the journalism, you've got history in journalism, because they're, they're, they're excellent questions. Most of them I would not have expected. So, um especially the lightning round ones, like the food and all that. I wouldn't have thought of those. So, thank you, this has been really great and oh, I hope everyone listening, I hope this has been a bit of an insight into to me I hope it's been a bit of fun um, and it's been a bit of light in a difficult time and um, I hope it also gives you encouragement that this, this moment, this time will pass and that there's, this is an, as well as being very difficult and painful that this can also be an opportunity for growth and freedom on the other side, um, and take care of yourself, everybody. And uh, here's to the next next two hundred episodes.